welcome to the Yoga Focus podcast. My name is Laura Gellner and I am a yoga therapist and occupational therapist based in New Jersey. I created the Yoga Focus podcast as a way to talk about the tools and techniques of yoga and to see how we can use those techniques to create a greater sense of focus and clarity within our life. Hey everyone, welcome to the Yoga Focus podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the internal process of yoga and this is such an important topic for me to talk about because a lot of what you see out there portrayed in the media in terms of yoga is so focused on the physical practice. I think what we've created is this situation where people think that yoga is the postures. That's the kind of the main focus of it because it's what we can show the most easily through pictures and videos. And a lot of times it's easier for us to talk about the physical poses and the alignment or the shape that the body is making. But there's this whole other layer to our practice that I find to be even more helpful, even more applicable to what happens in our daily life. This internal process that happens is creating the foundation for having strong skills of self-awareness, of being able to check in with your body and actually read the signals that your body is giving you so that you understand what's happening or what is changing and then taking in that information in a way that is very curious, that we're watching how things change and how things shift as we go about our practice. When we work on cultivating these skills of self-inquiry, it can also help us to customize our practice exactly the way that we need it to be for that day or for that moment in time that we're doing our practice. And I think that's so important because yoga, especially in the Western world, is most often taught in group settings where you might have anywhere from five people to a hundred or more people in one room following a practice together. And we know that when we get a group of people together, they all have different levels of experience, different body types, and they're trying to get something different from that yoga practice. So instead of getting trapped into just following exactly what the teacher is saying, we want to leave some space for the students to adjust and accommodate what they need in their practice. And one of the ways that we can help them to do that is to encourage that skill of self-inquiry, of thinking about what your experience is in that pose, in that moment, or during that breath practice, or during that meditation technique, and then seeing, well, what do I need to shift or change so that I can get the most out of this? It's not going to be the same as the person who's sitting next to me. It's not going to be the same as the teacher who's actually leading the class. So it's important to leave those spaces to adjust. And I kind of think of it like training wheels to help 
students transition to doing a home practice because I found that people who have always practiced in a group setting or always had somebody externally telling them what to do, what movement to do next, what pose to do next, how to regulate their breath, get kind of hooked on having that external input. And I'll definitely admit that it's nice when you get to be a student and you don't have to think and somebody else is leading you through it and you can just enjoy not having to think. That's really nice sometimes, especially if you've been a teacher for a while. When you step back into the student role, you're like, oh, I don't have to think. I don't have to be three steps ahead at all times trying to know where I'm going. So that's always a nice experience. But we don't want to get stuck in always relying on somebody else telling us what movements we're sh we should be doing or what movement is going to be the best next. So that when you're at home and you roll out your mat and you have complete freedom to say, okay, what do I need right now based on how my mind is working or how my physical body feels? What poses would be the best? What breath work would be the most regulating for me right now? It's building up the skill of knowing how to apply the tools of yoga and that comes from understanding the effect that those practices have on you, of really creating that self-awareness of what shifted, what changed. When I want to bring myself into that particular place, which techniques in my yoga practice are going to help me to get there? So these questions on the board are things that are very basic questions internally that you can work on during your practice, but I like to think that if you just worked on these questions alone, it would be enough to keep you exploring and curious about your practice from now until the end of your yoga experience. So the first one is how is my breath moving right now, right now. Every time you change shape with your body, when you go from one asana to another, that could change or probably will change. Or when you notice a shift in your internal process, when you notice a shift in your thought patterns, that might also have an effect on the way that your breathing is moving at that moment. So there's an endless level of curiosity that you can start to follow how your breath is changing moment by moment. And that's one of those skills that I like to try to get students to transfer, not just something that you do on your mat, but during your day, whatever's happening, think, well, how is my breath right now? When you're relaxed, notice how your breath is. If something irritates you, notice how your breath is. When you are driving, when you're at work, when you're in line at the grocery store, all of those day-to-day -day tasks, just take that second to inquire, what is my breath doing right now? And really coming at that from a space of curiosity rather than a space of judgment. There's two different ways of asking these questions and the curiosity is really just to notice and soak in information and then we try to put the brakes on 
before we take that jump into, oh, my breath is short again. Why wasn't I paying attention? Why wasn't I working on my belly breathing or any other way that we could chastise ourselves for not doing what we think we were supposed to do? It's more about thinking of trying to uncover our patterns. And that's where the curiosity comes in. How exactly does my breath change when I feel irritated or when I'm rushing? So that you build up that understanding of how your body responds to things. I also like to think about the idea of residue, that when we do something, there's a period of time where that activity is still affecting you. You can think of it like if you go to work and then you come home and it takes you a while to unwind. We think of that unwinding period. Maybe you change your clothes, maybe you take a shower, um, sit on the couch, play with your dog. All of those things are starting to shift your energy level and they're going to have an impact on how you feel. So as you're actually unwinding, you can notice the residue from the day kind of dropping away. And especially if you're taking a yoga class after work, this is an interesting time to really notice that when you first come onto your mat, you do that check-in with yourself to see, well, how do I feel right now? If you had a really stressful day, you're going to notice certain things that are sticking to you. Maybe there's tension in the shoulders or your jaw muscles are clenched. Maybe your breath is shallow. You're looking for those markers, those signs that you know your body is saying, okay, this was my stress response from what happened earlier in the day. And then we watch how as you start to go into your practice, some of that residue is kind of cleared away. It's this cleansing process of letting go of that stress. That's part of understanding self-care and understanding why we do things like meditation and breathing exercises as kind of a cleansing process for the nervous system or a cleansing process for the mind. One of the things that I like to pay attention to is what my thought process is like when I first walk into the yoga studio. Usually a lot of things bouncing around in my head, a lot of things that are externally focused, things that I need to do. It's like a to-do list uh, bouncing around in there. And then when you get to the end of Shavasana and you pull the knees up and you roll over to your side and you pause there, you're totally alert and you check in with the mind and there's this incredible experience of space in between the thoughts and your thoughts that do come up are much more internally presently based. It's a very strong shift from when you walk in and get onto your mat versus when you step away from your mat watching that change of energy, watching the change of the topics of your thoughts can be really helpful in watching the internal process of your practice. When you're doing your actual poses, there are two questions that I like to work back and forth with in my mind. And I found 
I find these to be especially useful when the mind starts to wander. When you lose that present moment awareness of what's going on in the pose. A lot of times this happens in our frequently repeated poses. Child's pose, downward facing dog, maybe a warrior pose where your brain goes, I know this, it's down dog, I've done this a thousand times, no big deal, not that interesting. I'm gonna think about dinner instead or I'm gonna think about what I have to do at work tomorrow. So your brain goes into that, well this is way more interesting to think about right now. I don't need to think about this pose that I'm doing. And then the training process comes in when we go, oh, okay, got distracted. Let me use that anchoring question with incredible detail, tuning into your body and asking yourself, where are the spaces that I feel grounding and support? It's usually emphasized on your exhale. And then as you inhale, with as much detail and attention, you think, well, where do I feel that opening and that space? And you can go back and forth between those two different feelings of the breath because they will change from one breath to the next. And of course, they'll change from one pose to the next. But that in itself can create a never-ending amount of absorption in the present moment experience of the pose, in the way that things shift continuously throughout your practice. Even though from the outside it looks like you're just holding this downward facing dog and nothing is changing, it looks very static, the internal experience of that is completely different. We know that there's a change going on in the thought process, we know that there's a change going on in the body, in the breath pattern. So it's training ourselves to pay attention to some of the subtler changes that are going on. I like to think about the process of getting really good at the internal questions of yoga or the internal experience of yoga, much like if you were training to become a chef and you had to taste a dish and think about what ingredients were in there. You know, some people can taste something and go, oh yes, it has peppers and onions and tomatoes and salt and pepper and um, it needs oregano. Um, they have that very refined palate that they can process that information so well. If we've spent a really long time in our life ignoring our internal state of not listening to the signals that our body gives us, of trying to ignore them and push them down, we've gotten really good at listening to our body, at not reading the signs or of trying to close off those lines of communication. So the process of creating strong internal awareness might be very challenging for some of us if we're not used to that. But these are the questions that can help us to reopen the lines of communication and to help to refine our palate. They help us to be able to pick up subtleties that are changing in the body. You know, in the beginning when you first start taking yoga or practicing yoga and somebody talks about energy and I remember being this student, I was like, energy? 
are they talking about? Like, ugh, that's so silly. And now, after 15 plus years of being around yoga and all sorts of different healing modalities, and just the experience of interacting with different people, coming to understand how incredibly important energy is and how there's a constant exchange between people and there's a constant shift within ourselves when we're experiencing different things, when we have different emotions, there's this energetic component to that that changes. And now I'm much more aware of that, but if you had said that to me early on in my practice, I would not have really grasped or been able to notice a shift in any sort of energy. It's not until we start to pay attention and we really learn and we look and we have that curiosity that we start to understand. I think that was a different experience of energy. I think after I did that practice, something changed. And then you can start to put more words to it. The longer that you do it, the better you get at understanding, well, what changed? How do I feel different? Can I do that again and experience the same shift? Or is it different the next time? You really start to refine your understanding of processing the information that you're getting from your body. So those two questions during your asana practice, during your postures, during your flow of checking in with where you feel that sense of grounding and where you feel the sp sense of space or opening. You could pick just one of those and focus on it. So say you were specifically trying to work on fighting chronic fatigue. You could spend more of your practice focusing on the inhale and the lightness of the poses the places where you felt space and expansion, because that would be a more therapeutic focus for you if that was something that you were trying to work on, um, shedding that feeling of heaviness and fatigue, you would stay more focused on your inhale and the lift. On the opposite end of that, if maybe you're working through some anxiety and you feel very unsettled, focusing on the exhale staying very aware of where you feel support and grounding in each of the poses that you were practicing would be a more therapeutic experience for you in that practice. And those two people might be in the exact same yoga class and they might be on mats right next to each other, but if they have that understanding of how to work the internal process in their practice, those two students are getting what they need personally out of the practice, even though from the outside it might look like they're doing the exact same poses. It's such a great way to make sure that every single student in the room is getting the practice that they personally need. So then one of the other questions that I like to think about is where can I release excess tension? And this is not so much aimed at making yourself a giant jellyfish, unless maybe you're practicing restorative yoga, in which case we are trying to just let go of everything. But say you're in a standing pose, say you're in a warrior two pose, and you are clenching your jaw or scrunching in between your eyebrows. 
two areas of tension that have nothing to do with the integrity of the pose or that feeling of strength and power in the legs that we get in warrior two. We're looking for that tension that's just lingering. It might be residue from something that you did earlier in your day, from some other stressful experience that caused your jaw muscles or your eyebrows to really scrunch up. So we do this scan through the body while you're in the pose and think, okay, I feel the power in my legs. I feel the engagement through my core and that reaching spaciousness through my arms. But where are those places that I'm holding excess tension? And then can I release them? And that might be a bit of a process throughout the length of the practice to try to release those excess areas of tension. So then on the flip side of that, you can ask yourself, what can I engage to increase the effort in this pose? And I think sometimes adding tension or creating effort are things that we shy away from in certain yoga practices. But this again is just another way of helping us to build a stronger connection with our physical body. That when something is tense, that does not need to be tense, that we have the ability to relax it. When we want to hold a pose that's very strong and powerful, we want to increase that engagement and that muscular effort. Both of those are really good skills and they kind of represent two sides of a coin, just like the grounding and the opening of working with the breath. We're trying to build that awareness of the body and what it's doing, where it's holding tension that's unnecessary that we can get rid of, and where we can direct more energy to create a stronger engagement in that pose. A lot of times with standing poses, with high lunges, with warrior poses, we can think about that experience of wrapping the muscles around the bones or drawing the muscles between the rib cage and the pelvis towards center to create that feeling of stability. Okay, then the one I already touched on this one a little bit, but when do I feel an energy shift? If you do a traditional Hatha yoga practice, you'll notice a strong shift from the start of your practice to the end of your practice. But if you've ever practiced Kundalini yoga, and I think when I first started practicing Kundalini yoga, this was when I really got a grip on talking about energy because I could feel the shift so strongly that it was impossible for me to ignore it at that point. And I definitely recommend that you try Kundalini yoga because it creates that energy awareness in such a strong defined way that you really have no choice to notice what has changed. Part of that process is that in Kundalini Yoga there are these spaces, there are these pauses, and we call Kundalini Yoga the yoga of awareness because we'll do a breathing exercise or a movement and then pause and stillness. It might be sitting, it might be down on the back, and we just pause for 30 seconds or maybe several minutes to fully soak in 
and get that awareness of well, exactly how do I feel different after doing that movement or that breath? What has changed on each of the layers? What is physically different? What has changed in my mind? And what has shifted in my experience of energy? Was something gained? Was something released? There's so many different ways that that could be experienced. A shift of awareness to a certain part of the body. A lot of times after you do a particular Kriya, a cleansing set of movements or breath, you'll have strong awareness in one part of the body. One of the ways that I try to bring that awareness into our physical practice is we'll take a little pause like that. Sometimes it'll be um, when you're resting in forward fold or if we go down onto the back to rest for a moment and I'll ask my students where is your attention pulled to immediately in the body? Where's that first space that pulls your attention? And then we start to spread the awareness out from there. Where's the next place that your energy gets pulled? Sometimes it will be places where you feel warmth or heat where the previous pose had engaged the muscles, so you have a greater awareness there. Or sometimes it's a space of discomfort, tension, all of those things, just letting the awareness get pulled there. And we start to work down the layers to more and more subtle input that we're looking for. Instead of just that one glaring thing, going down a little deeper and a little deeper to notice the layers of your experience after whatever it was that you did. I think that's a very interesting way of approaching the internal process on our yoga mat. But then of course we're taking those skills and we're trying to apply them to the rest of our life. So after you have an interaction with a certain person, noticing how do I feel? What is my internal process like? Did anything shift in my energy because of that interaction? Or after you come home from your job, or maybe right before you're going to walk into the place where you work, what is that experience like? Where is your awareness? That process of cultivating strong internal skills and internal awareness during our yoga practice is something that has a very strong application to the rest of our life. Much more application than being able to do a split or being able to do a really deep forward fold. We will learn so much more and gain skills that are going to help us in the rest of our life when we work on awareness of our internal process rather than just focusing on being able to reach goals in our physical practice. And that's something that's going to help us throughout the ups and downs of life, throughout um, injuries, illnesses, conditions, new jobs, moving, all of those things that really kind of shake up our life. The physical practice of yoga can be something that helps us to take care of our body. And it also becomes an outlet for different energies, but working on awareness of the internal process is something that we really, as yogis, need to put more emphasis on. That's the 
the gift that the process or the practice is really giving us. So to end off, I'm going to go all the way down here. You probably can't see past Redford, but the last question on the board at the bottom refers to our intention of why do I practice yoga? And this is a question that you might feel like you have a very concrete answer to. Um, one of my students immediately said, so I feel better. Um, but just like we were talking about going down the layers of the body sensations, this is a very layered question. This is something that you can contemplate for a while and see what kind of layers come out of that. And maybe in the end of asking yourself that question of why do I practice yoga, it might not even be something that you express in words. It might just be an experience or an energy that is something that you are using your practice to be able to attain. Something that helps you to get back into that sense of balance. And for all of the different people in that room that are practicing, their exact reason of why they practice yoga is going to be slightly different. So I hope that this helps to give you some guidance and show you how the incredible complexity of our internal world is just endlessly interesting in our yoga practice. And I think this is where that idea that even what might look like the most basic physical practice from the outside can really be the most advanced, deepest experience of yoga when we're working on cultivating that internal awareness, that curiosity, and that process of self-inquiry so that we have a better understanding of ourselves. And then taking that and applying it to all the other things that we get to experience as humans. So thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Yoga Focus podcast. Thank you so much for joining me in this episode of the Yoga Focus podcast. If you'd like to leave me a comment or a question, you can go over to my YouTube channel at Laura G Yoga and leave a comment under the video format of the podcast or you can go on to my Instagram, which is also at Laura G Yoga, and leave me a question or send me a direct message on there. If you want to ask a question for a future podcast topic, go over to the Anchor app on your phone and you'll have an option on there to send me a voice message and you might be featured in a future episode. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the podcast. I just wanted to talk to you guys about the book that I released in June of 2019, which is called Yoga Therapy at the Wall. I have worked on this book for the past three years to create all of the pictures and all of the information in here. It's 162 pages and it's a full color manual. The chapters are broken down by body parts that we focus on 
using the wall to help us learn about different movement patterns and how to change some of the yoga postures to have a specific therapeutic focus. And you can really start to understand when you look at the book why I feel like the wall is the most underutilized prop that we have in yoga. We kind of forget about these things that we have all around us and that we almost always have access to a wall to utilize in the practice. So this manual will give you a ton of ideas to expand and start to utilize the wall as a prop. If you're interested in ordering, you can get the printed version on lulu.com. Um, you can either take the link in the show notes or you can go on Lulu and look up yoga therapy at the wall. There's also a digital download option, but for that you have to go on Etsy. And my Etsy store is Healthy Focus by Laura G. Or you can just search yoga therapy at the wall. Thanks. Hope you enjoy it.